All right, so uh, if, you're, if you're willing to raise your hand, how many overpackers? Underpackers. Very few. In between, well. Perfect. You're the perfect packer. P squared. <laughs> Not Green Bay Packers, but anyway, so... So I want to ask, I want to ask some of the, the, the parents here, what about, so some of you have your first children, some of you have your second children, some of you had more than your second children. Were you, did you all of a sudden become an overpacker with the first child? Like that first trip that you took? with that new baby that was going to be like overnight or a couple of nights going to visit grandma and grandpa or something? I mean, uh, did, did all of a sudden, did, did, did that cause you to, to be a little bit of an overpacker? You realize, oh my gosh, we don't need the bouncy chair and the city up thing and the, you know, this and, and this and that and I don't, I don't even know what they call this stuff anymore, you know, and, and three iPads and, you know, whatever. I mean, it's interesting, it's interesting how, especially I think for, for, for parents of young children, when, you know, we, we just want to be prepared. We, we want to make sure we got all the right stuff. But in a sense, we're, we're that way with our lives, I think, too. We're that way with our lives also. We get, we get worried and anxious about having all of the right stuff, about making sure that everything is in place. And if you go begin to go research anything that you're worried about, anything that you're anxious about, you're going to get as many different opinions as there are people writing about it as to what you should be paying attention to. And so it's pretty easy to become, you know, of two minds about something. Going, well, I'm, I'm not for sure whether I should go this way or whether I should go that way. And some of us are just worse at this than others. Some, so there, there are just some people who, they're, they'll ruminate over a decision for days, weeks, months. Just they'll, 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 you know, they'll do the spreadsheet, they'll do the pro con, they'll do the 80-20, they'll do the 90-40 or the whatever it is, and they'll just, I mean, you know, they analyze it to death. You know who you are. And in some ways, it's good, because you, you want to make prudent choices. You want to make choices that make sense, and that, and that hopefully will lead you to wherever you want to go. But there's also a point at which, when you have two minds about something, you can't really go anywhere. You're just, you're just in a stasis. You're just, you're just sort of sitting there. You're sort of sitting there, you know, not going anywhere, but creating a lot of light and heat. Or maybe a lot of static, and maybe that's why they call that, you know. It's just, it's, just, it's just churning in you like this. In the Bible, there's a lot of talk, a lot of ink spilled about how when someone follows God and when, and when, and when someone has sort of this, this single-minded focus on what God desires and what God would ask of us, that, that it seems to clear out that double-mindedness. That it, that it gives us, that it gives, gives some focus and ability to hone down in on whatever 
whatever those decisions need to be. Because you're, you're asking first and foremost, what would God have for me, for the people involved in this thing? Henry Nouwen said one time, he said, um, almost all of us know what the loving thing to do is. And I think he followed up by saying, but oftentimes we just don't do it. We know what the loving thing to do is. We know what the, the thing to do is. We're just, we just get worried about whatever the repercussions are or, or what's it going to take of us or, or whatever. If I invest in this, whether that's an investment of your time, your talents, your resources, if I invest in this, is the return going to be what I want it to be for me and my family? If I give myself to this, is it going to take more than what I really think I can give here? And when we, we should ask those questions, but, but on some level then we've got to make a decision. And as people who follow Jesus, and when, when we begin to seek to put our minds and our focus on God, it can begin, and I say it can begin, to help give us a better focus about what we're doing and what we're taking care of and what's first and foremost in our lives. It's not, you know, it's not a magic formula. I mean, that's, what, that's one of the things that I, that I often I hedge against every time when I preach, because I, I listen to so many preachers that are like, well, if you just believe in Jesus, then all of a sudden, you know, it's all rose petals and no thorns. I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree. I, I, think that, I think that life is sometimes just as difficult or maybe even more difficult as a person of faith because we begin to see, we begin to see things the way God sees it. And I believe God sees things even more so than we do. Meaning, God's, when, when something amazing is happening, God, God just is, the joy is amazing, you know? And when, and when there is heartbreak, I believe God grieves in such a way that it would just break our hearts. Because God cares so much for all of creation and for every human being. And so when we begin to, fall, when we begin to put this single-minded focus, it can, it can sometimes feel like a little bit of a burden. But the other part of having that single-minded focus is to, is to trust that God is sufficient. That God is enough. That, that even whatever we add to that, you know, is not going to make it that much better, necessarily, but that God is sufficient. And that we can come at things with everything that we are and everything that we have, and it might not work. It might fail, but that God is sufficient and God is in the midst of it when we have that sort of single-minded focus on God. And so right now, if you're thinking, oh, I, how do you, I don't even, what are you talking about? <laughs> how do you even do that? Just, just remember and think about this. The Israelites who had spent 400 years in slavery. 400 years in slavery. And God, through Moses, brought them out of slavery. And now they're in the wilderness. They're on their way to the promised land. Within about, I don't know, not a very long period of time, they'd already forgotten that God had given them freedom. 
They'd already forgotten that God had promised to provide for them. And so they began to grumble and they began to worship other gods and they began to do other things. And so then God was like, okay, well, just, um, just so that you're, we're clear on this provision sort of thing, you're going to wander around in the desert for 40 years. None of you are going to make it to the promised land, but I'm still going to provide for you. It's going to be a journey where I'm going to form you into a people and it's going to be tough and it's going to be hard, but I'm going to provide for you. And God provided what? Manna in the wilderness. God provided doves or pigeons to, for meat during that whole time, according to the scriptures. God provided for them, even through this difficulty, through this wandering. But they had to be reminded over and over and over and over and over again about God's provision. And I'm definitely in that same way. Like, it only takes about 24 hours for me to forget that God might be sufficient. And so, having a single mind of focus on God might include, you know, prayer. And scripture reading and study. It includes worship because we, we come back on a weekly basis to sort of come, some to come together with our brothers and sisters and, and be reminded of God's sufficiency and, and, and of God's salvation in our life and of God setting us free. You know, there's this huge movement right now in, in mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness meditation, guess what you're doing? You're creating a single-minded focus. You're teaching yourself not to get carried away by all the thoughts in your mind. You're teaching yourself to be able to just rest or sit in the midst of something that might be anxious or difficult. To be able to name what's going on there, but to be able to sit with it and then to be able to make decisions and move on. And that's part of what prayer is, is to to refocus us on that single-mindedness. That's part of what Bible study is, is is to help ground us in those stories of faith that remind us that God is sufficient and that God is with us. And that, and that the God that we believe in is the God who created heaven and earth. That God's spirit is the most powerful thing in the universe. And that that spirit is for us and for all people. And so then we can begin to live into a life of single-minded focus on God where we can be generous, where we can be loving where we can make choices that, where we risk ourselves and our hearts and our spirits in order to do the right thing for God, in order to do the right thing for the other person and for us. Because we often know what the loving thing to do is. Like, tell them to be quiet. <laughs> I want to read this to you. This is from uh, Matthew 6. And Jesus has been talking about, this is in the Sermon on the Mount. So starting in Matthew 5, you have the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to know, if you, wanna, if you really want to know some of the core of Jesus' teachings outside of love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, and, and love your neighbor as yourself, go to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 and just, and just keep reading for a while. Some good, good, some good challenging stuff in there. Um, so he's, he's, been, he's been talking about um, storing up treasures in heaven, not treasures on earth, 
um, about not serving two masters. You can't, you can't serve both God and mammon or God and money, as, it, as the case may be. And so then he goes on. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear? For the pagans or the Gentiles run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What Jesus is not saying there is not to plan, not to think ahead, not to invest, not to... That's not, that's not what Jesus is saying. But to give it the right focus to give it the right focus. Give it its due and then move on. Take care of things and move on following what Jesus would say. Jesus later on in Matthew says, take my yoke upon you. I mean, take my teaching and, and take, and take the, what it means to follow me upon you. For my burden is easy and light. Take it upon you. And, and then later he says, lay down your burden because... Um, I will give you rest for your souls. So, wherever you are right now in, in life, I mean, it can be, things can be going really, really great, and you can still be up to your eyeballs in worry and anxiety about what's going to happen with you, with your kids, grandkids, with your, with your lover, with your spouse, with whatever. With retirement. Things can be going swimmingly. I mean, I, so I don't know, I don't know where each, each one of you are, but today I, I, I invite you to begin to think about how, how you might, in, in focusing on what God would have for your life, and, and about, not, about not worrying inordinately, giving enough worry for today but not for tomorrow, how that might change you. How trusting Jesus, the one who gave himself completely for us, who had a single-minded focus on what the will of God was for him, so that we might be invited into this new life. How focusing on him might change your life today. Just take a few moments and reflect on that question, and then we'll pray together.